From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hello, friends. Welcome to the broadcast. Good to have you aboard. Hope you'll be with me for the duration. Just a heads up, coming up at, uh, well, at the bottom of the hour, as we say in uh, radio business, a uh, good friend of the program, John Rappaport, No More Fake News, will be here to talk about the secret Monsanto Protection Act. Have you heard about this? My word. Talk about doing the soft shoe towards a totalitarian state. Uh, if you haven't heard about it, uh, John Rappaport, longtime investigative journalist, will be here to, to talk about this act, which was quietly passed by Congress a couple of weeks ago and then signed into law by President Obama after being slipped into an, uh, an agricultural appropriation bill. And the provision protects genetically modified seeds from litigation in the face of health risks. Wow. Unbelievable. They would try to slip that past everybody and uh, obviously... Most of the people uh, who voted probably didn't know about it or didn't read it, or if they did, shame on them for passing it. Anyway, John Rappaport at the bottom of the hour. A uh, small confession to make. I just took possession of an iPhone 5. Uh, now, you're talking about now. Tim in the other room is uh, giving me the big thumbs up because he's a big, you know, gadget guy. I am a techno peasant. Uh, up until about six months ago, I was, you know, I had the soup cans and the string. Not that bad. I had a flip phone. Finally capitulated. And, of course, my six-year-old twin boys, um, uh, driving them to and for, for school, say, Dad, pass the phone back. And, you know, they're showing me all the different applications. <laughs> There's six. And then someone pointed out, it might have been the mighty Aphrodite. She goes, do you know that this is the, the Illuminati phone? I, I said, what? What are you talking about? And she said, think about it. The iPhone, the eye, the all-seeing eye, you know, the eye that sits on top of the pyramid on the, on the dollar bill. And then there's this great function on there. It's called Siri. And you know about this, Tim, right? It's voice command. You can say, Siri, show me last night's hockey scores. Voice command. And then the scores come up. It searches the web. She's got a very lovely, captivating, charming voice. And uh, and then uh, the mighty Aphrodite pointed out, Siri, what is this spelled backwards, Tim? Iris. Iris, the I. It's the Illuminati phone. I don't think this is appropriate for the host of the conspiracy show to have the Illuminati phone. But i got to tell you, it can track my location. No doubt. No doubt. Well, we've done programs on that. Anyway, i got to say, it's amazing technology. Uh, it, this is the second-to-last show before we bug out here from the friendly confines of 550 Queen Street East here in Toronto, uh, the, the home of our flagship station, AM740, heading down the road, uh, Lakeshore, towards the Canadian National Exhibition Grounds just north of there, a great new, new facility. I'm very excited to go, but I'm going to miss this place. It's haunted. You know that, Tim. Have you had experiences here? The venerable George Janescu, whose show precedes mine on this program, on this radio station, has been visited by spirits. Uh, I have no doubt. I've experienced some strange things over uh, by the elevators. I won't go into that now, but uh, I'm kind of secretly hoping the new place has ghosts. No doubt it has uh, uh, some stories to tell. It's a beautiful old building uh, that they're renovating. Anyway, there's far more, um, you know, scarier things out there. Just read the headlines. Just read the headlines. My word. Wars and rumors of wars and saber rattling and superstorms and currency wars and so forth. We're going to get into that right now. Uh, this gentleman, I've, um, I'm very excited to have him aboard. It's, uh, I've, I've been following his work for some time. And uh, I happen to, uh, to read. Yeah, I don't get my news from the New York Times. I, I go to places like King World News, and he's a contributor there. Gerald Salente is founder and director of the Trends Research Institute. He's a trends expert, a true visionary, keynote speaker, trusted worldwide as the foremost authority on forecasting, analyzing, and tracking trends. 
Gerald is publisher of the Trends Journal and author of Trends 2000 and Trend Tracking. Gerald Salente, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Oh, very good. Thanks for having me on. Wow. Trade wars, currency wars, and world wars. You've been writing about this. I know this was the subject of uh, your most recent uh, uh, journal. And uh, I want to talk about, uh, first of all, these currency wars. Can you explain what's going on? It sounds like all of these countries are trying to race to the bottom in terms of destroying their own currencies. We see the, the yen... In Japan, they're printing a lot of money. Of course, in the United States, 85 trillion or 85 billion a month they're printing. What's going on with this, Gerald? Well, again, they're they're devaluing their currencies so that they they can export more product. And when you use the term currency war, you know it's not my term. It's what Guido Montega, the finance minister of Brazil, calls it. It's what Mervyn King, the head of the Bank of England, calls it. It's what Axel Verba, the head of UBS and former president of Deutsche Bank, calls it. And it's what the new prime minister of Japan not only calls it, Abe, but he's also done it. I mean, you just saw last week they announced that they're going to dump in. Uh, Japan is about $1.4 trillion worth of stimulus. And, the, and again, as we, you mentioned, the currency wars, trade wars, when you, it, history is repeating itself. You go back to the crash of 1929. It was followed by the Great Depression. Currency wars, trade wars, world war. In 1931, Japan took itself off the gold standard and devalued its currency 60% against the dollar and 40% against the pound sterling. It was a trade war. The United States and their allies at the time you know, made it virtually impossible for Japan to get any natural resources. It's kind of sound like you know, what's going on today when you see all these other scrimmages going on. And then you look at the parallel. We had the Panic of 08. There's a Great Depression going on. There's a depression going on in the United States. When you look at John William Shadow's stats, you're looking at real unemployment in the states around 22%. Yeah, that's the U6, and, and, and all that's reported by the mainstream media is the U3, which is, uh, you know, the the official unemployment numbers, which is around 7.5, 7.7%. But as you say, it's 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 double that at least. And then when you look at the numbers that just came out on Friday... You know, they, they were expecting to create 190,000 jobs. You need to create 150,000 jobs each month just to stay even. That's accounting for population growth. That doesn't account for all the people that have dropped out of the workforce and lost their jobs during the, the Great Depression. And then you, you look at the numbers. Uh, half a million people dropped out of the workforce last year. A half of, uh, Last month, a half a million people. And then you look at the jobs that are being created. I got a job for you. How'd you like to wait on tables? Mm. I got a better one. How about stocking shelves at Walmart? How about becoming a home health aide? You know, a, a dear job and very well needed, but paying under the minimum wage. So when you look at the jobs being created, we're in a depression. That was just the United States. How about what's going on in Europe? How about Spain? How about Greece? How about Portugal and Ireland? 
Hey, remember Cyprus? Mm. I mean, you look around the world, Slovenia, Hungary, there's a depression. So the parallels are there. And now, of course, I mentioned the currency wars. And now we're going toward trade wars and world war. When all else fails, the psychopaths take you to war. Well, let's talk about Cyprus, because you just mentioned it. Let me also point out Gerald Salenti, uh, a founder and director of the Trends Research Institute, publisher of the Trends Journal and author of Trends 2000 and Trend Tracking here on The Conspiracy Show. Uh, after Cyprus, and, and, and as you pointed out and, and, uh, and others, uh, Jim Sinclair uh, talked about how this was out-and-out out theft. Uh, you know, the banks used to have a fiduciary responsibility to protect the, the depositors' money, and then they just decided that they're no longer depositors, they're lenders, so they were able then to steal those deposits uh, up to 90%, some, some up to 100%, over 100000 And then the mainstream media said, well, that's all, you know, that's a distant memory now. I remember, like, three, four days later, the, all the, the forecasters or the financial reporters here in Toronto were saying, well, that's a distant memory. But it's not. I mean, what, what, what's going on? What's the latest with, with Cyprus? Are we seeing runs on banks in Europe that we're not hearing about? Probably, of course. I mean, again, you know, what, what do they call it when they steal your money? I got a nice word for you. Haircut. Isn't that sweet? Yes. Haircut. And you can't, you know, you're relating to the media. I mean, these are the prostitutes. These aren't, these aren't, these are disgusting individuals. You know, they don't have any backbone. They suck their way up to where they are. Look at the revolving door. This guy Carney, who's the mouthpiece for for, uh, for Obama. You know, where did he come from? Time magazine. You look at him in and out. Whether it's in finance, whether it's in agriculture, and whether it's in the press, it's a revolving door. You know, people are complaining about the failure of capitalism. This is not a failure of capitalism. It's corruptionism. And it's also fascism. The merger of state and corporate powers. Is, is part of it with the, with the mainstream media, Gerald, is uh, that they realize that it is as bad as you've just outlined. In, in, unemployment figures in Europe now worse than the Depression, I'm told. Uh, that they, they just, they want to keep a lid on this as long as possible. They don't want to, they want to delay the, the inevitable, which is going to result in widespread panic. No, it's a prostitutes. I mean, these aren't, these aren't journalists. I turn on the media. I mean, my God, all we talk about in the States is gun control and immigration and gay rights. People aren't talking about these issues. Every day you turn it on, it's the same baloney. But people so have... it, it, it's not, you know, it, it, it's not a, to me, you know, only speaking for myself, and the motto of the Trends Journal, by the way, is think for yourself. You know, we don't tell anybody what to believe or to, what to think. I mean, it's just the way we see it. And I've been around. I mean, I've been on virtually every show from Oprah, the Today Show, Good Morning America. I mean, you know, on and on and on. I mean, these you know, these aren't the brightest pencils in the pack. People want to know. They're, they're, they're frightened. They've seen what's happened in Cyprus. They want to know here in North America, here in Canada, supposedly we have one of the most stable banking systems in the world. Yet someone recently uncovered, buried in the federal government's uh, um, economic action plan, as they call it up here in Canada, they plan on an in-bail or a bail-in in case one of our banks fail as well. You know, the... the um we're going to be writing a lot about this in the Trends Journal. Uh, one of the contributors to the Trends Journal 
is Dr. Paul Craig Roberts. Mm, yes. And he's the former assistant treasury secretary under Reagan. I'm a political atheist, by the way. I don't believe in any of this stuff, you know, political parties. <laughs> I can't believe adults still believe in these things. But <laughs> I call me. it professional wrestling, except <laughs> wrestling, is, I think, has a greater degree of uh, yeah, credibility. Really. <laughs> I mean, you know, like the D.C. drama queens and the Beltway Circle jerks, you know. But anyway, um, here's the reality. They've already done it before. Go back to 1933. That's not ancient history. They call the bank holiday in America. And what they did was Franklin Roosevelt called the Federal Emergency Banking Act. They forced everybody to turn in their gold. All your bullion, certificates, coins, you turn it in and you go to jail. And if we catch you with any of it, you get fined three times the amount of what you were holding. This is a fact. I'm not making this up. So what happened back then? You had to sell it to the, to the mafia. That's all this is. It's a mafia. You had to sell it to the mafia. It's the money mafia and the, the, the money changer mafia and the military-industrial complex mafia. Gerald, I've got to take a time out here. We'll come back. The government versus the mafia. Some are saying, what's the difference? Gerald Salenti here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. I'm talking about the real owners now. The real owners, the big wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians. The politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They've got the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media companies, so they control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They, they spend billions of dollars every year lobbying, lobbying to get what they want. You want the truth? You can handle the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. If you read the headlines, you listen to the news, you, I suppose you could be for, forgiven for thinking that we are in the midst of a recovery. Not a robust recovery, but a recovery. But not so. Uh, the, uh, the, the statistics do not tell the whole picture. The, uh, the unemployment rate in the United States probably closer to 20% uh, when you consider the people that have given up looking for work. Look at what's going on in Europe. Greater unemployment now there than during the Great Depression. Uh, do you really believe inflation is running somewhere between 1.7 and 2%? Not a chance. You go to the grocery store, you fill up at the gas tank, you know it's got to be at least five times that. Gerald Salente is with us, founder and director of the Trends Research Institute and the publisher of the Trends Journal. Uh, Gerald, you were talking about uh, a banking holiday. Are we about to see another one in, some, uh, in the United States or Canada? Is that well, inevitable? Well, again, you know, what I was saying was that when they turned in all the gold at $20.65 an ounce to the mafia, they repegged the dollar in those days was pegged to gold. They repegged it to $35 an ounce. So they just screwed you for 70%. Right. And they've right. done it before. Go back. Anybody could do this. Google it up. Put in Joe Biden, John Corzine, you know, John the Slime Corzine, the former guy from MF Global that robbed money from my segregated account, Yes. and go to 2009. John Corzine, Biden, he's campaigning. Biden's campaigning for, for Corzine. He was running again for governor of New Jersey. And you'll hear Biden say it. He said the first thing the Obama transition team considered was a bank holiday. He goes, that's right, a bank holiday. He repeats it twice. This whole thing is collapsing. 
The only thing that's keeping it afloat is dumping all of this cheap money in. So as we talk about inflation, you might not see it in the terms that the value of a product is going, the cost of a product is going up, rather than what your dollar buys is less. So, for example, if you live in Zimbabwe, the price of coffee is the same, but it just takes more Zimbabwean dollars. And that's what they're doing to the United States. They're doing it to China, China too, by the way. China's dumping trillions of yuan into pumping up their economy. And you look at the trade numbers coming out. You look at every indice, and they're down. The only way they're keeping this going is by pumping money into the system. This is unprecedented. This has never been done before. And they're, and they're going at it at levels, again, $1.4 trillion from Japan. Oh, by the way, more radioactive waste is uh, seeping out of Fukushima. You know, I mean, you know, the, the whole thing is coming down. And again, what I believe they're going to do is take us to war. I'm not sure if it was you or, or Jim Sinclair who brought this up, that we will look back on what happened in Cyprus with the confiscation of depositors' money, and we'll look back at that the same way those looking back at World War One looked at the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand as sort of the event, the straw that broke the camel's back. Absolutely. He said it like that. I said it's the canary in the mine shaft. It was a test case, and that's all. And then, of course, all of the sheeple out there, oh, those Russian oligarchs, good, they got them. They were money laundering, and it was dirty money. You know, that was the reaction. I'm saying that's how easy it is to convince the people. Look, the United States started a false war against Iraq based on the lies that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction and tossed al-Qaeda. You see anybody going up for war crime charges? You see how people had yellow ribbons and flags flying everywhere. You got this U.S. general today. He says the Taliban is still a threat to the United States. I'm saying a threat? They sold the lie of going into Afghanistan was to get Osama bin Laden. Taliban's never been a threat. How about your murderous and illegal, immoral op- occupation? Oh, just, hey, just killed ten kids by mistake today. Can you see what's going on here? This whole thing is out of control. And when I say go to war, you have to really understand when, when you look at the cycle. We had a crash. The dot-com bubble burst in March of 2000. 9-11, several months later. Got everybody's mind off. The United States was in recession. They lowered interest rates to 40-year lows. You remember George Bush going out there, hey, go buy a car. You'll pump up the economy. They created the housing bubble. And they're doing and it again. They're doing that, they're taking the nation to war. First Afghanistan, then Iraq. It's so simple, and the people follow. So where is it going to be this time? Syria? I don't know. Well, definitely, you know, Syria's going to continue. And, my God, the tragedy that's occurring over there. Or whether it's Iran... And you can see the axis, by the way, uh, being formed. The first place that Xi, the new uh, uh, president of China, went was a meeting with Putin. So you could see it. You could see Putin, uh, uh, Russia, China, and Iran against the United States, NATO, and the Arab Little League. Okay? It's, it's being formed. 
And, you know, China just became the world's largest importer of oil. I mean, they're not going anywhere. Now, just just to diverge slightly here, but China now is selling uh, goods with Russia back and forth in their own currencies. Does that mean that the United States dollar has unofficially lost its reserve currency status? Not yet. And you see, that's the key. When it does, that's when the big crash happens. When the United States loses its reserve currency status, that's it. And by the way, I'm a believer that gold prices are being manipulated. Because of all this debasement of the currency, gold prices should be going through the roof. Yes. You know, I've been trading gold, by the way. And when it comes to gold, I mean, Jim, Jim Sinclair is the guy. And, but I've been trading gold since 1978. My first buy of gold was 187.15 ounce. You can go to our webpage, trendsjournal.com, and there it is in black and white. We call the bottom of the gold market at 275, and said so it was the beginning of the new gold bull run. You know, back in I think it was 2001, 2002. You know, so gold prices should be skyrocketing. How do they so, manipulate it? How is it, well, the it's gold very banks? Simple. They short it. It's not, it, they just short it. Explain what that means. Well, it means that they'll put a lot of sell orders into the into the into like the COMEX and the other markets where it's traded, and you could do that. That drives down the price. You get tons of sell orders, and and that drives down the price. The gold market is very thinly traded, and you're looking at governments that you mentioned the stimulus. They're rigging the bond market. I mean, they're doing it in front of everybody's eyes. They're rigging the bond market. All right. It's not. It's a fact. I'm not making it up. Now you look at. Hey, remember this one, Richard? How about LIBOR? Mm, yeah. We saw it right in front of us. They're rigging what, like seven hundred trillion dollars worth of interest rates? It's a fact. It's not a theory. And they're rigging the gold market. Is it? Because if people start bailing, going into gold right. and bailing out of their worthless currencies, you're going to see a calamity like you've never seen before. Yeah, fiat money hates gold because that's an indication that people no longer have faith in fiat money. In, in, and why uh, would any intelligent person have any when you could see what they're doing in front of your eyes? When is this going to start to unravel in a serious way, Gerald? When is this Ponzi it's, scheme? It's hard to tell because there's so many dirty deals behind the scenes. I mean, about LIBOR. Who knew about that? Who knew that the Federal Reserve was dumping, you know, $27 trillion into the system throughout the world? You don't know this is going on. You don't know they're going to make up something over in the ECB and call it, I got a good name for you, we'll call it QE ones and twos and threes in the U.S. We'll call it OMT. You like that? Ongoing monetary transactions. <clears throat> so you don't know what they're going to do. So the timing is very difficult to figure out. The thing should have crashed a long time ago. It should have crashed after the panic of 08. Can't they, what's to say they can't keep it going inevitably? Because there becomes a point where the devaluation becomes so apparent. And, you know, like, for example, what's going on now in, in Japan, they're, they're devaluing the yen dramatically. And what does that mean? It means that the imports coming into Japan, which is a heavy reliant country on imports, the price of everything is going to be going up because your yen is buying less. Right. It's great for exports and bad for imports. Exactly. Hmm. The stock market, Gerald, very quickly, we're almost out of time. But people, up until last week when it dipped a little bit, people think, you know, are very bullish again on the stock market. Is this a sucker's rally? 
Well, again, you know, I don't do stock markets, but here again, the game is rigged. How about you know, hyper trading, high frequency trading? How about all the scandals of insider trading? You know, why would any? It's it's a gamble. You know, I only invest in. I don't give financial advice. I only invest in gold, and and for the purpose of for me, it's my golden age, golden years, and I don't I don't trade it. I don't you know play the markets. You know, I just buy it and and store it. You know, so for me, that's that's and I'm also buying historic buildings where I am in Colonial Kingston, New York, two hours north of New York City. Uh, but but other than that, I don't I don't I don't. I don't go to Las Vegas, you know. Gerald, can you leave with us a little bit of good news? Yeah, the future's in the hands of the people. You know, they, these are vampires out there. When are the people going to rise up and say, I've had enough? And I think what you saw in Italy with the five-star movement, Beppe Grillo, at another level, that can be the way. Not protests, but movements. We need new systems. These are not representative form of governments. So when the people rise to the higher level, then everything changes. It's called a renaissance. Hey, they did it after the Black Death. We can certainly do it now at the death of politics that's raping everybody as we're doing it now. So really, it's the hands of the people. But for, to and get from here to there, it's going to. But to get from here to there, when whatever's on that the other side, it, it's going to be a bumpy road, I'm guessing. Well, it's not, is life easy? No. But no. It, for me, I'm a believer in direct democracy. They do it in Switzerland. Every issue of major importance, the people vote. Like if I ask you who the president of Switzerland is, you're not going to know because it doesn't count. The people vote. These aren't representative form of government. That's only for little boys and girls. The only people they represent are the most powerful and the people that give them bribes and payoffs, which these slimers call campaign contributions. Gerald, on that happy note, uh, how can people get uh, um, their Trends Journal copy? TrendsJournal.com, TrendsJournal.com, and Richard, we make it available to everyone. There's a discount request page there. We know people are going through difficult times. It's history before it happens, and I could say with all certainty that what you read in the Trends Journal, you will not read anywhere else in the world. Gerald, a great pleasure. I hope you'll join me again. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Richard. Gerald Salente, founder and director of the Trends Research Institute, uh, trends expert and publisher of the Trends Journal and author of Trends 2000 and Trend uh, Tracking. And as I say, when we come back, we heard George Carlin coming in out of the break there on one of his rants. Boy, oh boy, would it, would, wouldn't it be great to have George Carlin around these days? He would have a field day with what's going on. But he was talking about lobbying and lobbyists running Washington. Well, wait till you hear what John Rappaport has to say coming up in a few moments about... This secret Monsanto Protection Act. We've talked about Monsanto on the program before. These are the people that make the genetically modified seeds, genetically modified organisms. And what just passed recently in Congress in the United States and was signed into law by President Obama was this Secret Protection Act. It was slipped into an agricultural appropriate bill or appropriations bill. And the act gen- uh, protects companies like Monsanto and I would, I would imagine Dow chemical as well. They're in, they're involved in genetically modified seeds. But it protects these companies from litigation in the face of health risks. So let's say a few years down the road, and there have been some studies, animal studies, that, that, that shows that genetically modified corn or whatever it is causes cancer. That means 
we can't go back and sue Monsanto and Dow. Just watching a TV tonight with the mighty Aphrodite before I left, and uh, Aaron Brockovich was on, on TV. Do you remember what, that with uh, with Julia Roberts down in uh, this town in Hinkley, Nevada, and the people were poisoned by a chemical plant down there? They launched this massive class action suit. Tons of people, hundreds of people rather, hundreds of people had horrible diseases, cancers, and and uh, and things like that. And they eventually received $333 million in a settlement, a class action settlement. Well, because of the secret Monsanto Protection Act, if, as many people suspect, genetically modified seeds causes injury, harm, disease, we'll never be able to sue these companies. John Rappaport will tell us more when we come back on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Loose lips sink ships, and sometimes corporations. Got something to say? Call Richard Serrett. At 416-360-0740. Welcome back. I think we're all aware that companies like Monsanto and the U.S. farm biotech industry wield considerable power, legendary power. There's this revolving door which allows corporate chiefs to switch top posts in the Food and Drug Administration and, and other agencies. U.S. embassies around the world push genetically modified technology onto countries even if they don't want them. And government subsidies back corporate research. Federal regulators do largely as the industry wants. The companies pay millions of dollars a year to lobby politicians. Conservative think tanks combat any political opposition. And the courts enforce corporate patents on seeds. And the consumer is denied labels or information. But now, even people uh, used to this closeness uh, between the U.S. administration and food giants like Monsanto have been shocked by the latest demonstration of the genetically modified industry's political muscle. It was uh, little noticed, uh, but... A couple of weeks ago, President Barack Obama signed off on what has become widely known as the Monsanto Protection Act. Technically, it's known as the Farmer Assurance Provision Rider in H.R. 933, Consolidated and Further Continuing Appropriations Act 2013. It sounds rather benign and uh, a lot of legal mumbo-jumbo, but uh, here to tell us that it's not and why we should be very concerned is a good friend of the program, John Rappaport, who's worked as a freelance investigative reporter for over 30 years. He's written articles on politics, health, media, culture, and art for LA Weekly, Spin Magazine, Stern, Village Voice, Nexus, CBS, Health Watch, and other newspapers and magazines in Europe and in the United States. And in 1982, the LA Weekly submitted his name for a Pulitzer Prize for his interview with the president of El Salvador University, where the military had taken over the campus. Always a pleasure to have John Rappaport here on The Conspiracy Show. Hi, John. How are you? Great. Great to be here, Richard. Thanks. Well, let's just get right into it, because we don't have a lot of time. What is this act all about, this law, this Monsanto protection law? Well, basically what it says is that even if a court in the United States finds a serious problem with a genetically modified food crop, you know, there were no safety studies done, or the safety studies were inadequate, or it looks like the crop could be dangerous, that doesn't matter. <laughs> Monsanto can sell the seeds, farmers can plant the crops, they can be harvested, and they can be sold in the U.S. And as astonishing as that sounds, that's exactly what was passed as the writer in the bill you just mentioned. And essentially what it does is it cuts away at the heart of the system of checks and balances in the federal government because now you have the judiciary being completely castrated. 
the judge can say, wait a minute, I want to put a stop order on this crop because uh, I could see there's enough evidence here that it could be dangerous, safety hasn't been proved. You can't do it. So they're above the law. Monsanto is now technically an entity unto itself. They are above the courts. They're above the courts. They are absolutely above the courts. And that's precisely what happened. When it was discovered, it produced an uproar, and that uproar is still going on in some quarters. But you have heard absolutely zero from the White House on this. Obama signed the bill along with the rider at midnight one night recently. That's always the way. Very little press coverage, major media press coverage. I mean, they just ignored the whole thing, basically. It was all independent journalists, activist groups, and so on that made a huge stink about it. And yet reporters for major media are not following up, which tells you whose pocket they're in, because they could start a real tsunami of protest about this whole thing if they really began to cover it, but they're not doing anything about it. This farmer assurance provision rider, I'm guessing, is one of these huge what we call omnibus bills where there are so many different things added in at the last moment. And so the idea is that, you know, there's whatever the main thrust of the bill is, if you agree with that, you don't want to vote it down because of all these little pork barrel politics things that find their way into it. So is that what happened? Someone someone snuck that in there and most people didn't read it or they didn't want to vote the principle behind the bill down, so they had to go along with it. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. You see, this is a bill that would fund the government. It's called the continuation of funding for government, federal government, because, you know, the government periodically claims, well, if we can't get the budget passed in time or if Congress won't give us the money we need, you know, we'll have to shut down part of the government. They're now calling it sequestration services will be denied so we have to vote on this bill nobody reads these things all right let's take a time out john rapaport here uh talking about the secret monsanto protection act which essentially puts these genetically modified companies these producers of genetically modified seeds and organisms above the law as hard as that is to believe to me that's the definition of corporate fascism alive and well you're listening to the conspiracy show don't go away Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. John Rappaport is uh, here, and in a few moments he'll tell us about his new CD-ROM series called Exit the Matrix, which comes on the heels of his previous release, The Matrix Revealed. It's it's an amazing uh, collection all in one CD-ROM, and uh, he'll tell us about that in a moment. But back to this Monsanto Protection uh, Act, which is now the law of the land signed by President Obama, as uh, uh, John said, uh, at at midnight, uh, you know, to avoid any media scrutiny. And uh, just to give people a sense of how uh, dominant Monsanto is in the genetically modified seed business, uh, they make up their company, their seeds rather, make up something like 93% of U.S. soybeans, 88% of cotton, 86% of, uh, of maize or corn. Um, but for, give me a sense of, of the influence that Monsanto has in Washington. I mean, obviously, this, the passage of this bill is, is testimony to that. But, I mean, how are they influencing these politicians? Well, first of all, you have to realize that uh, activists who are against, properly against G 
GMO food, thought that they had an ally in Obama during the 2008 campaign. He flashed several signals uh, that really gave everybody hope, and then he turned around and just absolutely pulled a bait and switch and smashed all hope when he appointed, oh, eight or nine key figures at the Food and Drug Administration and the U.S. Department of Agriculture, which are the agencies that oversee all of this. And during his first term, a record number of new GMO crops came into being planted, harvested, sold in America. So Obama really cemented his position as Monsanto's number one lobbyist in America. No question about it. Absolutely none. And I've written an article on that. People can Google it and find it. Meet uh, Monsanto's number one lobbyist, Barack Obama, that details all the names of the people he appointed and the crops, and etc. So the influence goes right to the top, all the way. It's so blatant. I mean, uh, my understanding is that the, the, the person who, I guess, sponsored this aspect of this appropriations bill, Roy Blunt, uh, who was Monsanto's chief recipient of political funds. He's a Missouri Republican senator. He's the one that put it in there. I mean, is, are people not scrub? are his constituents not screaming bloody murder? Well, they're not, I don't think, because uh, there's not a tremendous amount of opposition in Missouri uh, to Monsanto because Monsanto is headquartered in St. Louis, which is in Missouri. They provide a lot of jobs. Uh, there's a port there. A huge amount of tonnage goes out from that port of uh, materials shipped by Monsanto all over the world. So there's going to be no screaming there whatsoever. I mean, I don't care if you w- which you know side of the fence you're on in terms of the safety or the efficacy of genetically modified uh, seeds or genetic- genetically modified foods in general. This is just plain wrong to place any corporation, I don't care who it is, above the law. That's just that goes against everything that supposedly you know a, a, a free a people hold sacred. That's what's happened, Richard. You know, it's precisely what's happened. And look at the silence of the major media about this. You know, there have been a few articles written uh, very soberly. Uh, uh, the, he says this, she says that, etc., etc. But no outcry, no outrage in the media, or even in big think tanks, academic institutions, where presumably some shred of knowledge about constitutional law is still, uh, you know, present. Uh, so... What you can conclude from that is that the government-corporate nexus in America is firmly, firmly in charge. Well, yeah, this has set a, a, a precedent. Now, my understanding is that this bill will will expire in September because it's an appropriations bill. But again, the precedent's been set. So, I mean, who's next? What 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 other company is going to line up and 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 receive this kind of nepotism the next time the government secretly passes one of these bills? Exactly. And not only that, but when this bill expires, this Monsanto protection rider that we're talking about here could be renewed as part of some other bill or separately, however, because, as you say, the precedent has already been set. So legislators will will say, well, we passed this once already. I mean, come on. So there was no problem then. Let's pass it again. Only this time it won't expire at all. And 
let's look at other companies that need special protection and so on and so forth from the Congress, from the legislature, from the president. You see, in this issue, there's nobody really on the other side in the federal government. It's not Republicans squabbling with Democrats. It's the White House. It's the uh, Democrat. It's the Republican-dominated House of Representatives. It's the Republican Senate. They're all on the same page, which means we're talking about issues here which are considered to be higher in priority than the scope of government itself or the Constitution. Now, there have been some animal studies. There may be some human studies I'm not aware of, but there have been some animal studies. I believe they were feeding rats genetically modified corn, and these rats developed tumors. Let's say in 15 years, genetically modified organisms, it turns out to be like the tobacco industry, where they were for for 50 years. It was deny, 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 and then finally they could deny no longer. Uh, what happens then if we have, you know, an epidemic of, 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 of cancer that, that, and there is a causal link to genetically modified food and we, and, and people want to, you know, launch a, a class action lawsuit? What, what happens? Well, I'll make my prediction. It won't happen. And the reason that it won't happen is unlike tobacco, which is one industry, uh, albeit a giant industry, uh, inside of big agriculture, we're now talking about virtually all agriculture in the United States and in other countries. And I'll tell you something else. If you look at what's happening in Argentina now, and this has been well documented, this is exactly what we're seeing or they're seeing in Argentina right now with Monsanto GM soy. They're seeing deformed babies. They're seeing all kinds of nerve system damage and illnesses that doctors there are testifying on the record they've never seen before as GM soy is replacing cattle in Argentina. And yet nothing is being done about it, absolutely nothing. The evidence is is rife. I mean, it isn't just a couple of rat studies we're talking about here. We're talking about major information that implicates GMO food all over the planet in horrendous uh, conditions diseases, and so forth. And a lot of it comes from the pesticide, not all of it. But there is one major aspect of GMO food where you say, oh, the pesticides we can spray as much as we want to because that's what these plants are genetically designed to resist. But, yeah, sure, it doesn't work in the plants very often. You'll find mistakes and screw-ups and so forth and super weeds that are resistant and take over the fields like they're doing in America. I mean, this is what's happening in America. Superweeds are taking over the fields, agriculture fields, and and workers are getting sick, and people who are near are getting sick, and other people in the country are getting sick from eating the food. So the information is easily available, and yet we have now protection of Monsanto that goes above the law. Let's say that now last November, uh, California voters rejected Proposition 37, which would have required retailers and food companies to label products with genetically modified organisms in them. And But but we know, of course, that the, the GMO industry spent, I don't know, something like $50 million uh, to, to kill that. Companies like Coca-Cola and others got on board and, and um, launched this massive campaign. Uh, to kill Proposition 37. But let's say some state passes a similar proposition, and 
the people speak and they, they demand that the food labels include GMO ingredients on them. What happens in this case? Well, Monsanto is prepared for that. They don't want it, but they're ready to deal with it if they need to because they're already dealing with it in England. So they will come out in support of labeling. That's what they'll do. They'll, they'll do a switcheroonie and they'll say, look, we don't think there's any reason for labeling, but the people have spoken and that's just fine. And then they'll take their millions and millions of dollars and go on gigantic propaganda and PR campaigns to convince the American people that they don't have to worry about GMO food. And yes, it's labeled and you have a choice and that's wonderful, but who cares? And so what they hope to do is wear down the opposition so that when people go into supermarkets to buy food in America, they'll just say, well, yeah, okay, so this is GMO, who cares? I like it, I'll buy it, I'll eat it. I guess what I was asking was with this Protection Act, whether they even have to, whether they could just simply ignore, the, uh, you know, a state proposition that demands they label their, their, their you know. Well, food. no, they won't be able to do that they because can't. the the Protection Act isn't about labeling. It's about whether or not uh, certain new crops can be grown, harvested, and sold. And so that will go on regardless. That will continue no matter what's labeled, you know. And eventually, I mean, Monsanto's long-range plan is to corner the market so completely that it'll be a fait accompli. It really won't make any difference because so much of what Americans eat will be GMO that those people who hold out for certified organic, for example, will only constitute, uh, you know, a, a manageable part of the market. That would be how Monsanto would look at it. Uh, dark days uh, for democracy, I guess, for those of us naive enough to think we're still living under one. But uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, right. John, tell Forget us a, tell us about your latest CD CD-ROM project, uh, Exit the Matrix. Yes, well, I put together Exit from the Matrix after I put together another mega collection called The Matrix Revealed, and this new one contains uh, 29 audio seminars. About 10 of them are brand new, and the rest are seminars I've done before. 123 audio files and text. I mean, it's gigantic. And the whole purpose of this is to explore and give very practical exercises and techniques to people for expanding their creative power to a point where those factors that make up the matrix that keep people trapped in the labyrinth and the maze are no longer operative, that people have returned to themselves such a degree of power that they are literally operating outside the matrix. That was the purpose. That's been the, the core of my research over the last 25 years, and finally it's the product is here. Sounds like deprogramming someone who's been rescued from a cult. Yeah, it's kind of like that, because the Matrix, in all of its uh, horrendous, perverse glory, is basically a cult. And how do we get a hold of uh, Exit the Matrix? Uh, people can just go to my website, uh, www.nomorefakenews.com, and they'll see the graphics there and the descriptions of the products completely, and they can order them right there. What are you working on next, John? I know you've always got something on the go. Well... It looks like what I may be doing is a a new logic and analysis course completely on audio for adults, which would be 
extensive information from my experience as a reporter and investigator. How do you deal logically with the flood of information that we are uh, overrun by these days? How do you evaluate and judge real-world information? How do you stop from getting sucked into one thing or another that is half-truth, no-truth, you know? And for this, I found that classical logic is applicable to a certain point, but after that, you're really in open water because that's been my experience as a reporter. And so everything I've done for the past 30 years will be in this product in terms of how I've come to see what information in the modern age is all about and what are the traps, how do you avoid them, how do you make evaluations on what's good information and what isn't, and that will probably be my next project. All right, well, sounds like uh, you and I should get together and uh, talk about that at length on this show. John, always a pleasure. Thank you. Always a pleasure, Richard. Thanks for having me. John Rappaport, No More Fake News. I've linked up to his site on mine, richardserrett.com.